Hello, it's Tuesday the 28th of November. I'm Alex von Tunzelman and I'm so glad to have made it to a year when calling something Cyber Monday feels quaintly retro. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review. Every weekday, as the river of news churns past, we bestride it like a colossus, reaching down into the bubbling shallows of the British press to search for nuggets of pure gold. OK, most of the time we just end up with a pan full of gravel, but we keep going. We're out five days a week for your listening joy. We haven't found any actual gold yet, so why not help us out by joining the Paper Cuts Supporters Club? Just visit back.papercutsshow.com. That's B-A-C-K dot papercutsshow, two S's there, dot com, to find out how. There's a link in the show notes. If you like paper cuts, why not show the love at Christmas with fabulous merchandise from podmarket.co.uk, the online store for paper cuts and all of our companion podcasts. We've got stylish paper cuts hoodies, mugs and a special T-shirt that's different from the one you get in our supporters club. Plus, there are snazzy designs from Oh God, What Now, The Bunker, This Is Not A Drill and Origin Story podcasts as well. And everything is 10% off for Black Friday, even if we don't believe in it. Get yourself over to podmarket.co.uk. That's podmarket.co.uk. It's like Amazon, only smaller and nicer. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. PM desperately clinging to his marbles. Rishi Sunak cancels the Greek Prime Minister for wanting the Parthenon sculptures back. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas and it's still November. Does this fill you with festive joy or do you want to kick Michael Bublé in his baubles? And let them eat pineapple weed ice cream. Posh people are playing at being peasants except really rich again in a frankly grotesque Marie Antoinette revival. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we've barely respectfully taken off our poppies yet, and are we really supposed to get the tinsel up already? I'm Alex von Tunzelman, and joining me on the show is writer of columns for CNN and joyous festive elf, Holly Thomas. Hello, Holly. Hello. And also with us is comedy writer and big Grinch guy, Jason Hazley. Hi, Jason. Hello. So what's on the front pages today? Holly, what have you got? So the Times is leading with the latest from Israel. It says Hamas demands higher price to set soldiers free. So, yeah, a bit of tension there, given that we have the two-day extension of the pause announced. Um, The Guardian has deal to extend truce, raises hopes of dozens more hostages released. Um, So slightly more hopeful. And then the Telegraph has Britain faces UN blacklist for blocking trans laws. Um, So, yeah, Equality's watchdog may lose place at human rights meetings after Stonewall lobbying. So, nice one, Britain. (laughs) Doing well, as usual. Going great. (laughs) Lovely. Um, And then the eye has interest rates will stay high into 2025, say economists. So... Grinchy economists over there ruining right. <laughs> ruining Christmas for the rest Christmas. of you. Yes, absolutely. Jason, what have you got on the tabloids? Well, the Daily Mail has the enormous word poisonous on the front page. This is about the um, Omid Scobie book about um, the royals. Belittles Charles as inept and says William Stonewalls Harry. I'm trying to um, sell more and more copies of this. They're really going for it, aren't they? Yeah, sounds sounds great. Um, <laughs> the Mirror. Um, has this is a terrible headline. This doesn't work at all. Um, you have to imagine that the first three words of this headline have the initial letters in a different colour because that's what they've done. Britain's got to pay Williams. Um, this is oh, about wow. this one million pound deal, which has ended their legal battle. So that's um, Britain's got talent. Yes, BGT. Britain's, Britain's got, got two. two. 
P. Williams. Oh, three out of ten. See Was me it afterwards. very late when they got yeah. headlines sorted? Um, there's also a, a photo in the earpiece of Grace Dent. Why Grace just had to quit her jungle misery. The Sun has a very fetching photograph of Kylie Minogue, but underneath that, balmy footy law plan, gone too far. Corners and free kicks, face checks. VAR, obviously, which is um, voltage-adjusting rear stat. I mean, this is a pretty weak front page from it's the Sun, terrible. isn't it? Pretty, it's terrible. It's not. Pretty weak. Why, why are they coming up with such weak front pages at the moment? Is it because they're sitting on the political fence? I think they might be. And the Daily Star, all hail, has a completely meaningless front page. UFO spotters develop new psychic skills after running with extraterrestrials. What? <gasps> Close encounters of the weird kind. <laughs> Now, Rishi Sunak was supposed to be hosting Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis at Downing Street today. But the meeting was cancelled late last night. Downing Street said it was a programme clash for the Prime Minister, but the Greeks are like chinny reckon. They think it's because Mitsotakis went on the BBC to say the Parthenon marbles should return to Greece. They're currently in the British Museum. Holly, what's going on here? Well, I mean, so important to note that the Greek PM... Did you know he's he's said the Parthenon marbles should be returned to Greece, um, but he also made it clear that that was not the subject of the meeting. He just mentioned this in advance of the meeting. And Rishi Sunak, who I think we can all agree, he likes to know the outcome of a meeting that he's walking into. A little bit of a control freak. Um, that was enough. He he freaked out and he scarpered. But yes, essentially the hook of this is that the Parthenon marbles, um, which were taken from Greece by Lord Elgin back when it was uh, the Ottoman Empire, have been sitting in the British Museum for years after our government bought them off Lord Elgin, Earl Elgin. Lord Elgin, uh, aristocrat, really uh, <laughs> generic aristocrat Elgin, who ironically was also a diplomat. So nice work there. Um, and um, and yeah, Greece is quite reasonably saying we'd like those back, please. Um, but I think the the argument for keeping them hinges on some sort of lost paperwork that Elgin says he had. He's like, no, I, I absolutely have permission from the Turks to take this. Um, he just just can't find it. It's just lost. It's, it's some <laughs> got lost somewhere on the journey. So yeah, bit awkward. Also, weird hill for Rishi to die on, because I think a YouGov survey recently found that about 18% of Brits care about keeping their Parthenon marbles. So yeah, a weird hill to die on um, for Rishi and has probably drawn far more attention to the issue than if he'd just gone along to the meeting. Yeah, I mean, 18%, I'm surprised it's so high. Jason, so are we going to go to war with Greece? Oh, oh I hope not, because um, I like it there. It's <laughs> great holidays. Um, <laughs> Super place. This, there's a lot of interesting language around this, though. Keir Starmer did meet Mitsotakis actually at the time that the meeting was cancelled. He was uninvited while he was talking to Starmer. And uh, Starmer and the Labour Party have taken a very, quite a deft position of saying, this is not a government issue, this is between the British Museum and the Greeks. That's it. So they've handed it off, which is quite handy and clever. But... Um, a senior Conservative source told The Guardian, Starmer sold out to secure a meeting. It's naive on his part and shows how little regard he has for British taxpayers who, wait for it, have looked after these for generations. Oh. Um, so we've just been looking after the Parthenon marbles. So, yeah, this was um, the decision, I think, of the British government. They took a vote in, I think it was something like 1816, and decided that we, we were giving the marbles asylum. 
So I think we can all agree that we were setting a trend that we would very much stick to when it came to other asylum seekers uh, down the line. Um, but that was the decision. We were just keeping them safe. We were doing a good deed. Um, and the government bought them off of Elgin for half the price <laughs> that it had cost him to bring them over. So as always, the British government just doing its darndest <laughs> to have everything it wants at whatever, at whatever cost to everyone else. So the British case to keep these things hinges on this kind of legal technicality that they were bought fair and square from a government at the time. The Greek case of having them back is like, we've got a Parthenon with a bunch of holes in it and this stuff would look a lot better there, right? Because your bloke came over here and literally sawed them off the Parthenon. <laughs> yeah. He sawed them off the building. Yes. Yeah, apparently, I think Elgin's original aim was just to take some plasterers over there. Apparently he asked the government, you know, do, do you want to do this? And they were like, no, like, have at it. So he went over. He was like, I'm just going to document uh, the antiquities. And then he was like, actually, they're very nice. I'll, I'll have them for myself. So... Yeah, not not the most tactful move from Lord Helkin or indeed Rishi. Also, I don't think this is going to look um, particularly good for Sunak because it, what he thinks is a, is a, a show of strength, I think, looks like weakness because. Um, Mr. Tarkas made the good point, anyone who believes in the correctness and justice of their positions is never afraid of opposing arguments. Mm. So if Sunak thinks Shade. he can win this argument, he should have this argument. So he clearly doesn't think he can win it. On the language, by the way, they are the Elgin marbles in the Daily Telegraph. They are the Parthenon sculptures and the so-called Elgin marbles in the Financial Times. They are the Parthenon marbles in the Guardian and they are the Parthenon sculptures in, on the BBC. Right. So we got the full spectrum of descriptors <laughs> there. Should we just call them the marbles? <laughs> the you know, like the things. The, the Madonna of artifacts. The hilarious end to the story, of course, is that the government, who immediately had to backpedal a bit, said, oh, it's all right. Um, he can go and meet um, the Deputy Prime Minister, Oliver No One. Um, and uh, and uh, Mr Tarkis said, fuck it, I'm going home. I mean, fair enough. I think that's the reaction we'd all probably have. Yeah. Now, it's Christmas! The baleful howl of Noddy Holder on the radio this morning threatened that the festive season has begun, whether you like it or not. It's the 28th of November, for pity's sake. And if you're feeling grinchy or scroogey or humbuggy about this, you're not alone. Even St Nigella Lawson has announced she's no longer making Christmas cake because, frankly, nobody likes it. Why is Christmas coming so early this year, Jason? Probably because people haven't spent enough money and the shops are going, please spend money. Mm. Um, I mean, the Christmas decorations have been up in my local supermarket for about a week and a half now, I think. So, you know, that's when would that be? Mid-November? So clearly Black Friday and whatever happens after it as well, Super Saturday, Cyber Monday, Ordinary Tuesday or whatever, <laughs> they weren't the successes that the retailers obviously all hoped they would be. So I think they're now going, please come and spend Here's Christmas. But there is a humbuggy reaction, isn't there, in the star? Um, not everybody's up for this. Yeah, well, uh, in the star, on page five of the star, they've got this story about the number of town hall chiefs who have been branded Scrooges, by, by the star, obviously, um, after they've cancelled Christmas. And this, to me, sounds like councils with not enough money, effectively. Um, so Manchester ditched its light switch on, claiming road closures made big crowds unsafe. Braintree Council in Essex cancelled its switch on. Shopkeeper Olivia Washington fumed it feels like they've cancelled Christmas. Great, they got it. Well done. That was the soundbite <laughs> they were looking for. Um, elsewhere, Brighton ditched its popular Christmas market, blaming high costs. And Eastleigh called off its light switch on, claiming people might fall over on muddy ground. What? 
I mean, I know, that's a new one, isn't it? Wouldn't the lights help with that? Yeah, <laughs> with <laughs> visibility on, on the treacherous terrain. Yeah, I mean, that's clutching at straws, isn't it? So a cheapo Christmas for a cost of living crisis. But Holly, Nigella seems to be playing both sides of the Christmas debate a little bit in the papers today. Yeah, she, she's been described as a domestic cheat in the tele- which is a, so, so me. feels deliberately what that, ambiguous. What does that mean? So I, I think <laughs> what they're getting at is that she takes shortcuts. Um, right. And obviously, if any domestic work isn't kind of drudgery that takes you six hours, it's it's not worthy. Apparently, it's cheating. Yeah, it's cheating. Yeah. It's not just like a clever shortcut. It's um, you're a, you're a domestic cheat, but. Um, I think Nigella makes a really good point. She says you don't have to have cake if you don't want to. And I think this is the thing that people forget about Christmas. And I say this from the position of having no dependence and I will be spending Christmas with my boyfriend in our flat together. So I'm, I'm oh, coming, you know... People are going to envy you. I'm, I'm coming from... I, I, I recognise I'm coming from a distinct uh, position of privilege on this. But the thing is, like, you don't have to eat cake if it doesn't taste good. Why do we have to eat things that are bad? Surely the point of a festive day is to kind of... Do what you like a little bit. I don't you know. You think, wouldn't you? You could just have a nice time with I the d- people you love. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. So, Jason, you're a bit against early Christmas, aren't oh, you? Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. It's like. <laughs> It is not even Advent. Yeah, Advent is the bit that comes before Christmas. <laughs> and we've got Christmas in the shops. Which is like, I, I, if you started during Advent, I wouldn't mind so much. But actually starting before Advent is ridiculous. Do you know what do you know what bit of the liturgical year we're in now? The bit before Advent. As a heathen I do not. Right. It's called ordinary time. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> Isn't that sensational? And it's like most of the year is ordinary time and then there's bits like Easter and there's Christmas and things. But, uh, all right, so counterpoint, why have an ordinary time when you could have a wonderful time? Like, most of this year has been absolutely unrelentingly horrible. I'm okay with an extra two weeks of festive cheer. I'm not going to, like, go to the shops and buy loads of crap I don't need. I think that bit's obviously ridiculous. And also, like, the idea that people will magically have acquired more money since Cyber Monday is also a bit strange. Like, I don't think people just suddenly see something, oh, actually, like, got some more behind the sofa. (laughs) But, yeah, like, why not just... I don't know. I, I'm. I think I'm just kind of clutching for literally any distraction at this point. Winter is long and hard, and I, I'm going to bury my head in the festive, glittery sand <laughs> for as long as possible. <laughs> if that's what it okay, takes. Okay, that's. I mean, that is fair enough. But I'm still in the position. I'm still complaining about leaf fall and saying what a fucking mess autumn is. So I haven't even got. I, when the advent, when door one on the advent calendar opens, I will stop complaining about the leaves. <laughs> If we had some Christmas lights, people wouldn't be falling over on the leaves. Exactly. Good point. Good point. Safety function. Yeah. Paper cuts we worship at the altar of the headline. Are there any strained puns or dad jokes worth garlanding in the papers today? Holly, what have we got? So The Sun has a very strange but quite sweet story about wacky musical duo The KLF, which I'll confess mm. I'd never heard of <laughs> until, God, you're so until young. about 10 seconds ago. Um, so apparently the electro-pop veterans are keen on supporting their ravers to the grave and they have... <sighs> started to build care homes to, to that end. So good for them. I mean, an, a worthy, worthy cause. Headline is, last train to Grand Central. Oh, very good. Do we believe this story, by the way? Given that the KLF burned a million pounds for a stunt one, do you think they're genuinely building care homes? Well, I mean, if you want to make a million pounds, care homes are the business That's to true, be in. Actually, I yes. mean, so maybe they have to make up for that. Good point. 
Um, right. So uh, the Sun also has more detail on that. Um, front cover on everyone's lips about VAR, which I'm not even going to pretend <laughs> to understand. Um, so it says uh, Premier League matches could turn into two hour marathons if footy chiefs wave through plans to extend the VAR system. Headline is match of the delay. Oh, good. that's a good headline. Good. It's better than their front page. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. They should have swapped those around. Jason, what have you got for us? Well, I've got pastry at the Daily Mirror. The... Um, urgent and exciting story that Bear Grylls, when he was at Eton, um, used to go down into the sewers at night with a torch. Clearly looking for posh shit. Um, (laughs) And this is... Not that hard to find at Eton. No. no. Um, And this is under the headline, Grylls got his Eton thrills in sewer chills. So he was like, where's worse than Eton? (laughs) 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 The the literal sewers. And saving the best all last, page three of the Daily Star, (laughs) here is a story about Phil Tufnell, who makes sure that no one messes with his luggage on the airport carousel by marking his bags. Now, I'm sure a lot of us do this, mark our bags. You know, you put Mm -hmm. something on it, you draw on it, or you have a label on it, or something distinctive about it. Phil Tufnell wraps his wife fronts round the handle. (laughs) Oh, my God. <laughs> I told you you didn't want this one, Holly. I told oh, you my didn't want God. That. <laughs> That's yes. so aggressive. And, uh, so, what yeah. about the baggage handlers? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're uh, presumably they're clean by heart. Right I mean, I still. hope so. I mean, I fucking hope so. Good grief. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the headline is Tuffers, hands off my undercrackers. <laughs> now on Paper Cuts, we turn to the features sections. Supposedly the lightweight and fun bit of the papers, though in practice they're usually chock full of fashion that makes you feel poor, health fads that make you worry you're about to keel over, and the beautiful lives of rich people to make you feel just wildly inadequate. And today we have fuck it lists. Holly, what is a fuck it list? So it's the opposite of a bucket list. It's the stuff that you have decided you're just not going to bother with anymore. So we've got some relatable examples in the Telegraph. Uh, <laughs> we have things like not, oh God, I'm not even going to pronounce it right, not going, not attending Kayleys. Kayleys. I've never been invited to a Kaylee, so I feel like that doesn't even, then um, don't go there. <laughs> so we've got that. We've got uh, not forming an opinion on Meghan Markle, um, which isn't on the Telegraph's own fuck it list. I think we can all agree. Um, Not bothering with the Harry Potter books. But then it kind of moves on to things like not attending award ceremonies anymore. Not like spongy (laughs) jumping in. I just get too many invitations to them. I don't know about you. I've only got so much room in my diary. Really? (laughs) Honestly. And the Um, reason for not attending award ceremonies is because there are too many people trying to get into the Grosvenor Park Hotel. I mean, this is not... This is not filed under relatable, is it, at all? <laughs> They're not exclu- Awards or ceremonies used to mean something. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's not They're exclusive. Just so vulgar. Just any prols in the, <laughs> these days. Um, so, yeah, that's the deal. So we learn quite a lot about the lives of Telegraph writers in this piece and, and what sort of things they don't want. But what's on your fuck it list, Jason? 
I think skiing, definitely. Oh, damn, um, I was going to say that. Yeah. Oh, were you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting because it gets mentioned in the in the Telegraph, and two or three writers also mention bungee jumping, which would be very high on my list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I think it's quite easy to avoid. Yes, quite easy. Well, yes. I mean, unless you accidentally have a bun, can you accidentally have a bungee jump? I'll try. I'll work that one out. Um, and uh, heroin. Yes, I'm yes, not, I'm not doing that. Don't I'm not do doing that. heroin. Yeah, no. it's, it's very bad. Famously Moorish. Um, <laughs> Holly, how about, uh, how about you? What's on your bucket list? Miniature golf. Unbelievably mm. stressful. Um, Is I it? Put, yeah. So I thought that hating group sport was something I'd have grown out of like decades since I was last made to do it but then um, I I did miniature golf at a beloved friend's birthday a year or so ago and I nearly had a panic attack (laughs) I was like I I couldn't I really genuinely I couldn't bear the pressure it took me until I was 30 to understand that you could exercise by yourself and and I'm sticking to that so miniature golf um, and having children count me out oh yeah that's a big one Mostly miniature golf, though, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. so much more stress. Compromise all the kids, yeah. but not miniature golf. That would have been, that could possibly have been the most esoteric panic attack ever had, couldn't it, <laughs> if it had happened? Oh, I've probably had more esoteric panic attacks. <laughs> but, but, guys, the king of features is in today's times, oh. too. A real beaut. I mean, this piece is almost incomprehensible, so we're going to need Holly to take us through it. So it's in the posh people being ludicrous genre of features, <laughs> which is my favourite genre. Holly, can you explain to us something headlined Bo Pee versus Me Pee, the new posh peasant tribes? So before I do that, I love that this implies the existence of old posh peasant tribes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're already just like completely lost in the pineapple weeds, which is a reference I will explain in a second. Um, so basically, the bohemian peasant, which is the Bo um, although, it, yeah, it should really uh, be Beaupair, as uh, Jason uh, pointed out earlier, because that's Beaupair. not how, because we don't say peasant. Um, <laughs> so they're, uh, they're described as a back-to-the-earth child of a Sloan Ranger crossed with a Shoreditch hipster. Um, their vibe is making, brewing, fermenting and foraging, enjoying a, wait for it, neo-medieval peasant worldview. Good God. I mean, if, if, if one were to hop in a time machine and confer with a medieval peasant, I, I, I suspect that their, their worldview would not align um, mm. with what essentially seems to be sort of making candles in the shires and, and ice cream out of, I think it's um, one of the Conran grandchildren's partners makes ice cream out of pineapple weeds. And meadow sweet. And meadow sweet. I mean, is that stuff? Or is that just like <laughs> so I go- from a fairy tale? I mean, what is it? I googled it. It's not from a pineapple. It's weeds that smell like pineapple. I mean, why not just make pineapple ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> Cut out the weird middleman. But yeah, the idea is like you're kind of like this like back to nature um, you've got literally endless hours in the day to um, just kind of waft around in linens, um, <laughs> br- brewing things. <laughs> so that's a beau pair. Mm-hmm. What's a meh pair? Um, a meh pair is... <laughs> <laughs> it's the same, it's just in the city. Oh. Um, it's a, um, God, so I can't even escape from these people by refusing to leave no. London. No, um, heaven knows you'd want to, though. An early example of a mepair comes from... Uh, 
Harriet, Harriet it's funnier every time you do it. Harriet Walker. Um, so she's just describing, you know, your, your typical day in the life of a mepper. She's taking, uh, she's taking, she's taking the kids to Vauxhall City Farm. The brown cashmere bonnet my toddler is wearing makes it look like they are in a gulag. What? They famously can't move for those brown cashmere bonnets in the gulag. Yeah, a lot of cashmere in the gulags, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that but sounds you know, like a good village, actually, doesn't it? Cashmere in the gulags. It does, actually. That's a great <laughs> novel. Could be where the Bopies lives. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we have to remember they're very down-to-earth. They're choosing dried flowers because they're cheaper than fresh, and they're putting them in wonky vases. They're just like, they're, they're going around the city in their clogs and their smock dresses. It says, Marie Antoinette had her bucolic playhouse at Versailles. Now, welcome to my version, the Peckham Trianon. I don't know what that is. Um, (laughs) Okay. Um, Where the cargo bike is electric and the clogs are either Crocs or Birkenstocks. So we now moved into the Marie Antoinette is good now phase. Do we remember what happened to Marie Antoinette? Is that a thing these people are aware of? Uh, So I watched Napoleon yesterday, but I walked out almost too soon to discover what happened happened to Marie Antoinette. But I'm I'm not, it didn't look like it was going very well for her. No, Um, no, I don't think it does. Yeah. Now that sourdough costs almost six pounds, I've swapped to our local bakery's slow rise instead. Thrifty move from the uh, Birkenstock wearer um, (laughs) over here. Um, But yeah, so meepies are basically homesteaders, but in the city. So just imagine having the space to raise chickens but in like an e1 postcode and i, I think we have a meepy right mm. jason you've enjoyed this piece as well i, I think i think this is the best thing this podcast has ever covered <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely sensational um I'll tell you what it read like to me. It read like American Psycho because it just keeps <laughs> dropping product names, you know, like it does in American Psycho. So yep. it's like it, it's stuff like this. Um, being a meepy is refilling the distinctive brown bottle of an old 27-pound pan soap with and decanting your liquid into a matching vessel. Um, on working from home days, I've begun to think of the heated drying rack as the brazier. We're the reasons... Sells an 85, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's, it's fabulous, this piece. It's so funny. It reminds me of a book that I co-wrote called The Labour Book of the Hipster, um, where there were people doing craft gin in basements and people who were available as apps and stuff like that. Um, there's one argument that says you might not get through this piece without ralphing up an eye. But there's another <laughs> one that says these people are enormous figures of fun and we should just grin at them. And I mean, this is from the sort of paper whose political stance is very much against the metropolitan elite yes. and all of this, you know. Yes, it is. Fully just digging in for there the metropolitan a, elite. There's a fabulous thing on the online version of it. There is a link right in the middle of the page to a piece, the headline of which is Fawning over the posh is a tedious British reflex. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the beginning of the 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 me-pe, um, me 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 pee, pee, Peace. Um, Harriet Walker, her first paragraph ends. As I cycled through South London with my children in the front of our cargo bike afterwards, a woman on crutches and some kind of prescription called me a twat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's buy that lady that's, a drink. That's called doing the quiet part out loud, isn't it? <laughs> And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Holly Thomas. Thank you. And thanks to Jason Hazley. Thank you. Our beloved supporters get a shout out on the show and here are three now. We'll do one each, Holly. You're solid as a rock, Sean Kennedy. Jason. 
You can rock the Casbah with us anytime, Colin Baines. And we love rock and roll, so put another dime in the supporters club baby, Mike Pinches. I've been Alex von Tunzelman, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when 90s electronic legends The Prodigy have bowed to the woke mob and changed the lyrics to their song Smack My Bitch Up. To be fair, nobody would ever have imagined that that could be offensive before now. It's now Change My Pitch Up. What next? Help them and their law? I'm a firefighter, a responsible firefighter? <laughs> Madness. See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts is written and presented by Alex von Tunzelman with Holly Thomas and Jason Hazley. Audio production and music are from Simon Williams. The show is produced by Liam Tate with assistant production from me, Adam Wright. Designed by James Parrott and the socials by Jess Harpin. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs>